uh, you're welcome to come and step into that. Uh, it's high time in, the, in, in Christianity we actually took hold of the inheritance that Jesus went to the cross for and rose again. He certainly didn't do it to come to church on Sunday morning and be miserable for the rest of the week as well as today. He came for more than that. What will excite you this morning? You know, what will get you going? Nothing? You're excited? Oh, you are. Okay. There we go. So, that's what we're aiming for. Anybody got anything they want to share this morning that's an encouragement to the rest of us that Jesus actually is alive and he's working in hearts? That's not going to work either this morning. Our, our house is up on a hill and it's surrounded by trees and I like it that way. I like my privacy and I, I like that I can go outside and just see trees. And, but um, <laughs> I don't know what it is about men, but when they see a tree, they have to knock it down. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so this weekend, Ken had the use of a big machine and he has stripped branches and stuff from the front of the house and and it just is totally different it just you can see the city um you can see cars driving and it's just you know there's still left a lot of trees but there's just vision like i was sitting couldn't sleep this morning with the storm and it was like three in the morning I'm sitting by the window just watching it and seeing what everything I could see now and it was uh, it was really cool like I still like my privacy but I I like the vision better and I like the 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 whole place seems more open and bigger and brighter and I just love it and and it just reminded me so much of our lives how how um, often we can get ourselves hemmed in and we can set up hedges around us to, whether it's protection, you know, we don't want to get people to get too close or whether it's just busyness of life crowds us in and, and uh, we can feel like life r- runs us and, and we don't have a choice. Um, I've been there and you feel like there is nothing else I can do that, that, I, between work and kids and driving and everything else, there is nothing, there's no room. And so you feel hemmed in. There's no freedom. There's no, like, when when people say, well, you just got to press into God or, you know, you feel like you can't move. But I guess my encouragement is that today is that, Getting rid of some of those hedges, um, it's it's hard and it might be more vulnerable and you might get hurt more, but the vision is amazing. And, and when you open up to people or open up to God, um, it just gives you so much more freedom, gives you vision that, that life is bigger than this little thing you're moving in. And uh, I've experienced it, and and it's just, like, don't be afraid of of laying down some things or of opening up some areas or letting somebody in. Like, don't be afraid of that because the the benefit is so much greater. So we, we are learning that if you give a testimony and, and, and uh, a testimony is given like that particularly, which is about freedom and being open, God's always saying we can all have that. So if you want that testimony, if that's a testimony that speaks to you, stand up and Carol's going to pray that freedom would come into, into your life and freedom would come. So we just pray for that and bless Lord. So Lord, I just thank you for that little picture you showed me this morning and, and how profound it can be in our lives and and it's just it's about letting you in letting the light in letting you open up doors and windows and giving us greater vision so i just pray for that today lord i pray lord that um 
whatever it's going to take. Lord, I pray for people that are that with addictions and and things that they feel that they're trapped in. I just pray that today you would break them off, that you would break down walls, that you would chop down hedges and just give people vision. Give them hope, Lord. Give them a brighter uh, vision of what you want to do in their lives. And, and so I just pray for a moving forward, a moving forward. And just freedom, Lord, just a feeling of freedom, that they have choices and that they can they can have a place to move and to grow and to, to lean into you, that there's time for that and there's room for that. So just pray for that this morning, that your spirit would come and do a great work here in our hearts and our lives. Amen. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. We declare that to be. Thank you. We, are you coming up, Dan? Most of you know that I am probably a very busy person normally. And then when Elfra uh, fell and had her accident, I was almost to the point of being totally overwhelmed. But I have found in the last two weeks that the Lord, or since this happened anyway, that the Lord has been with me in a way that I can't explain and that things have fallen into place in such a way and I'm, I'm becoming more and more to realize that if I give my day over to the Lord, He will take care of all the things that are in, on my list, to-do list and that I don't have to worry about it. And one of the other most precious gifts has been dealing with Elfra in this last time. She is just a phenomenal person, and she reminded me just the other day about, we were talking about something that had happened, and she said, well, you know that was the Lord looking after that. That's why that person was right where we needed them to be at that point in time. And he's just taking care of this whole situation in a way that um, I could never have imagined before this. So, so Elfra's doing well? Very well, very well. So, Father, we just bless you for Elfra. We pray your healing over her. We just ask you to continue to restore her. And uh, we just pray for Diana that she would know your refreshment and your presence as she just looks after Elfra's affairs and, and all the stuff that goes around. We, we just thank you that we can help one another, support one another, and, and we just entrust her to you, both of them to you at this time. In Jesus' name, bless you, Lord. Thank you. Amen. That's very cool. She's a feisty lady, that Do you <laughs> uh, I don't know. He's saying you are. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> I just wanted to take a couple of minutes. Um, the last session that we had, we had strong, we dealt with strongholds, and um, strongholds for me was a really big thing. I didn't even realize what a stronghold was until we started talking about it. Last Tuesday, um, we took a look at. Um, people hurting. Now, I've, a, I've had a stronghold in my life for 35 years. Um, should have been gone by now, but it, for no reason, for some reason, it stayed there. But the one thing that I'm learning, uh, thank goodness for beautiful people that prayed over me. I had a fabulous week last week, this last week. It's just been absolutely fabulous. I feel an excitement in me now for this time of year. And I know that I couldn't have done it without my Lord Jesus. Through other people, just my morning daily prayers to him is giving me the strength to try and break through those strongholds and that major one. Thank you. So, Father, we just claim that victory in the name of Jesus. We thank you for what you have done. He's taken it, by the way. All you've got left are the habits. And those will just take time to erode. But you don't, don't even doubt it in the name of Jesus. We just speak freedom, freedom, freedom. Uh, we're all terrified of freedom. We want it and we get it. We don't know what to do with it. And it's sometimes just something that Satan challenges. But we just declare that freedom uh, over you, Carolyn. And, and in the name of Jesus, just declare you, the, the inheritance that has been waiting for so long to be breaking open over you more and more and more in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Bless you. There's a lot, a lot, a lot for us still to discover. Make no mistake. Um, we'll talk about that. So we were going to have an Advent candle, which is meant to be um, a celebration, a reminder to us of the build-up to Christmas. Uh, it's like traditions that help us rem remember that actually for some people they don't even know that Christmas is about Jesus. 
they think it's about Santa Claus. And uh, so Dave is going to tell us what this means for today. And we're going to pretend there's a candle there, but next week we'll actually have it. It just got lost in the busyness. So um, why don't you, I'll get the other mic and, and then make it more difficult for you to speak, all right? That's always where. <laughs> um, really, the, uh, the Advent wreath, and particularly for today, is uh, we, we reflect on hope. Uh, but the Advent wreath, as we light different candles, it reminds us that, that Jesus is the light of the world and that wherever we have darkness, and we've even heard some testimony about that today, where various things come in our lives that, that pull us down and, and make, make things dark for us. Jesus says, I come in and I bring light and, uh, and bring hope. And, uh, and I think one of the things that, that at this time of year we're reminded, just as, as people in the past had this longing, this hope, that God would come and break in in a new way when he's been silent for so many, many years, uh, that he would actually come. And uh, Joe was talking about making it kind of just casual and, and personal. And I think, I mean, there's a couple of things that came up for me. One was, you know, when I uh, began to, to date Megan and to get to know her, there was a time where I, I decided to make this commitment and go buy a ring. And uh, we went to Tofino and had a nice little dinner and I went to the beach, and there's this, there's this hope, of course, that she's going to say yes. And, uh, and you don't know. You have this longing. You have this desire. And, uh, and thankfully, she did. And, uh, and so, so there's this hope fulfilled. And, and Jesus in his coming is much more magnificent than that. That's nothing against me again. That's just not talking about me. <laughs> but, and I have but to talk your way out of that one. <laughs> But there's this, uh, there's this sense of, of a longing fulfilled. And when Jesus first comes, uh, he fulfills that longing of his people for God to do something new in this time and in, the, in, that, in that time and in that place. And, uh, so that sounds cool, but I mean, come on. I'm going to have to make it a little difficult. Just because? Just because. I mean, if it was such good news, what happened? I mean, what were the people expecting? Did they get what they expected or didn't it look quite look like they expected? No, so fair enough. I think, you know, at the time that Jesus came, the people that were uh, following him, the people of Israel, were actually in a place of being uh, captives to, to Rome. And, uh, and so much of their lives was, uh, was everything that they didn't want. And they expected God to do something different to free them in that political sense, to give them a new place to live. Uh, as in terms of land and in, in terms of um, freedom from those that would oppress them. And uh, Jesus comes into the mix and rather than throwing up a, a political revolt, uh, starts a revolution from the inside out. And, uh, and then what's amazing is that that revolution, uh, which starts with just a few people who many times are disillusioned by what happens with Jesus and disillusioned when he actually dies instead of rising to power, uh, that when he returns to life, they have this new thing from the inside out where Jesus lives in them, and this thing takes off in a way that none of them could have asked or imagined in the past. And but so Dave, Dave, what is Christmas about? I mean, we're not going to go on for long here. What is Christmas about? What happened at Christmas time? What do we celebrate? We celebrate the coming of Jesus. The as coming of Jesus. How did he come? As a baby. As a baby. And then what? When did he die? How long? I mean, I'm just trying to get this. We're expecting something cool, and then the baby comes, and the baby has to grow up, and it's 30 years before the baby starts speaking. It's a long time for my hope to get fulfilled. I'm just trying to encourage you. If you think God just sometimes works like that, it takes a little longer. I'm just, because some of us, in fact, all of us go, well, I asked God, and it hasn't happened this week, so it's not happening. I just want to encourage you. That hope takes time to be fulfilled. That's all. On other times, of course, it happens just like that. So don't give up hope. But it is a process of stuff that goes on. And next week we'll light a candle and we'll have another little interview about what. Do you know what's coming next week? You don't? Ooh. Well, okay, well, we'll see. So. Thank you very much. We're going to, yeah, we'll have a candle, we'll light hope, and then whatever next, I don't know what it is. Continue our study in Luke.
um, from Liverpool today. And we pray that you would just open our hearts and minds, that, Father, that we would hear your voice and we would know the presence uh, of your Spirit, that we would understand that you're not a dead God, but you're a God who is very powerful. And uh, we, we just welcome you here and ask that you will open our eyes to see you this morning and be excited by who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. So the disciples, you know, you, you know what the best way is to keep people from not being bored in church? Is to don't give them long sermons. You agree? The best way for people to not be bored is to stop talking to them and say to them, come and join me, let's do it together. You know what the biggest problem is in churches? Nobody wants to do that. They'd rather say, give me a sermon for 30 minutes, then I can go home to coffee and get on with my normal godless life and say, well, at least I went to church. That's why Western Christianity is dead. How many people do you think are going to go to the Grey Cup and they're going to come back and you say, can you give me a testimony on the Grey Cup? And nobody would stand up. How many people sitting in the, in, the, in, the, in the stands of the Grey Cup are going to be sitting there like this today? How many are going there, walking there like this? It's not true, is it? You come to life with what you worship. You come to life with what you worship. What turns you on draws you out into life. And God is desperately, desperately saying, you know, I am far more fun than you've ever imagined, but you keep switching, the, you keep switching me off. Because I am emotional and I'm vibrant and I get in your face and I disturb you and I shake you up and you're so fearful that you keep pushing me away. And it's very sad because you remain dead and I remain dead to you. So, resurrection, Lord. Resurrection. And Jesus was, uh, you see, last week was talking about this. Jesus had his disciples and he had done all these wonderful things. I'm really actually just giving the same sermon again this week because I felt like it and I just think it's actually important. So the reading was deliberately the same as last week. But we're moving on to the feeding of the 5,000. But what did we talk about last week? Jesus had these disciples following them, and they were cool. I mean, they, were the, they loved to be with Jesus because there was no sign of crucifixion. There was no sign of suffering. There was no sign of sacrifice. It was all, he heals everybody who comes. He's good to be around. I'm proud to be a disciple. I'm a celebrity. He's a celebrity, and I'm a little celebrity. And so they hung around with Jesus and they watched him heal the dead. I mean, heal the dead. Yeah, raise the dead. That's pretty healed. And he did some remarkable things and he blew their minds because they'd never seen anybody like this before. Anybody who said they believe in God never did anything. They just read and talked and said, you should, you shouldn't, you should, you shouldn't, you should, you shouldn't. It was awful. It would be going on for 400 years. And Jesus comes in. You remember, he, he read that. He opens up Isaiah. And he opens up Isaiah and he reads Isaiah, which we've read now twice. And you know what happened? He turns to Isaiah and they're all sitting there like this, very religious, going, when this is going to end? Because we're going to go fishing in Galilee. And... Uh, and he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. They've heard this hundreds of times. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. The year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort those who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. And he closes the book because he says, okay, let's do it. For the first time in Jewish history, the guy closed the book and said, let's do it. 
God is one who says, I bring joy for those who mourn. Well, let's release joy to those who mourn. How do you do that? Well, you can't do it by reading. So what do you do if you can't do it by reading? You go to people and you release joy. And you say, the living God is present. And how are they going to know that the living God is present? Because they know you and you know nothing special. And he says, well, I'm going to release my spirit in you. And you're going to demonstrate things that couldn't come from you because you're just not that good. That's what he did with the disciples. So the disciples are following him around, getting all excited like we did last week. And then he says, you do it. They said, what do you mean you do it? He says, I'm going to give you power and authority and you're going to go to villages and you're going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to get cured and diseases are going to get cured and you're going to cast out demons in my name. The kingdom of God is present. The kingdom of God is here. Heaven begins on earth and it's now. And they go, whoa, whoa, whoa. We'd rather you just read the scriptures. We love the way you read. You read so well. It sounds so sincere. I just love the cadence of the, of the Isaiah passage, Lord. Just let's put it to music and we can sing about it. And he says, no, let's do it. And then he says to them, as we also re- remembered last week, he says to them, by the way, when you're going, you can't take anything with you. No laptops, no musical instruments, no smoke machines, no, no, nothing. No DVDs, nothing. And they go, what, what, what do you mean, nothing? I thought you said, let's do it. He said, yeah, we're going to do it. Then he looks at them with that audacious look that Jesus can have at times when he's challenging you, and he says, look at me. Well, it's different for you. I'm a human being. Touch me. I have no power other than what my Father gives me. I don't have DVDs and I don't have any resources that you can see. I have nothing. And, by the way, I've got 12 guys and another 100 around you that want to follow me right now and all I've done is heal some people and talk to you. Why are you following me? I don't have any gimmicks. And, of course, they say, because there's something in you that is we've never seen before. And he says, that's the love of the Father. That's the Spirit of God in me. And you can have it. So, as I've been sent, I send you. And so they went out. And it sounds like when they went out and they spoke in villages and they healed the sick and demons fleed, and they came back and told Jesus. They said, it actually works. And he said, well, surprise. I can use a dry stick to glorify God. I can use you. So what happens if he says that to every one of us sitting here right now? He said, um, I'm actually wanting to use you. I'm able to do in you and through you more than you could ask or imagine. The problem with you and me is that you keep trying to censor me because I can't get past your neck because your head gets in the way. You have this pompous way of telling me what I can do and what I can't do and you have absolutely zero knowledge of me. And then, as Carol said, you've got this foliage all around your heart and I can't even love you because there's so many prickles. And because you were hurt when you were a child and you were hurt as you were an adult, you just go, oh, I've been so hurt, I've got to be protecting myself and you're dying inside and it's all rather sad. And you keep telling me, God, please help me and I'm standing here saying, I'm here to help. And you go, well, I'd like it like this and like this and like this and I don't want you to speak with that person. I don't want to use that person. And this circumstance sucks. I don't want you. And he says, would you mind letting me be God? Would you mind letting me be God? Just because I don't jump at your command, do you think I'm not working? Will you get over yourself? Will you get over the fact that you're hurt and you're a victim and you're suffering? I mean, I have overcome that. But you're actually real good friends with your suffering because it gives you this very politically correct way out of life. And you're chicken to live. And I've come to bring life. And to set captives free. How many people do you think in, in Israel, at the time that Jesus came, 
felt that they needed to be set free. I mean, politically they said, yes, of course, that was the no-brainer, but I'm talking about personally. The vast majority of people have a little tinkering to do, but they say, well, that's all I need, thank you. And God says, you have no idea what a leper you are. You are so dumbed down to the life that I have for you. And so you live a petrified life. That's good news, isn't it? Christmas, yeah, it's good news. So, what God is trying, I believe, to say to us is there's so much more. And if we would just humble ourselves and say, Lord, I'm more of a prisoner than I realize. In fact, I don't even know where I'm a prisoner. Sometimes you don't know until after the fact. And so all he says is, run after me and see what happens. Run after me and see what happens. And just because you had one or two experiences doesn't mean it's the, the end. Until the people are, until you're raising the dead and until every sick person you touch is healed, there's work to do. But a lot of people in churches, and I get flack with this actually quite a bit, you'd be quite surprised, would prefer to read this. I don't like flag waving, I don't like the miracles, I don't like the emotions in the church. I hear that here and in Parksville. We're not used to it. It makes me uncomfortable. We'll go to a morgue then and maybe you'll fit in. I'm so done with keeping people happy. I mean, to a degree. And I mean, you saw this actually. You can see this all through the scriptures. I'm not just pulling it out of my thumb and, and, get, and, get, and venting on some sort of childish thing. You, re, you remember when, when Peter, Peter was imprisoned he was following Jesus and, and in the re, after the resurrection, he sort of got it together. And I mean, he, went, he paid the price to get it together. And he was standing up in the middle of all kinds of places and saying, Jesus is the Lord and he is God and he isn't just a, an ordinary human being. And the Romans were getting really angry and the Jewish people were getting really angry. And Peter, for, you know, for all his trouble, ended up in prison. And he ended up in prison um, just after James, one of the other disciples, had been killed. And he had two Roman guards outside the prison and he was in between two and he was chained to them all. And uh, he was just about to go on trial and the people of the church or the, the company that he kept anywhere were praying. And that night an angel came into that place and, and chains fell off and the guards sort of went to sleep and Peter walked out. He didn't know he was even awake until he was in the street. Well, that's just a myth, of course. It didn't really happen. It's just a good illustration of God doing things, right? No. Leoba, pay attention. No. An angel came to, Jesus, to, to Peter and actually took those chains off and Peter would have died if he hadn't been set free supernaturally. How big is your ability to believe what you don't understand? Or has it got withered down to such a boring place that your God actually in Jesus can do nothing? You see, if God can do nothing, then guess what? Your problems become your God. And you spend all your time wrestling through your problems and you become this glorious martyr. And Peter was set free because of a supernatural event you go through the, the, the Gospels where Jesus is beginning to release the kingdom and I just jotted down three or four. The woman at the well, the woman at the well who was there in the middle of the day and she, she, had, a, she had about six husbands, that is politely put, and she was there because she was an outcast and Jesus speaks to her. And in her, his conversation with her, he changes her life and she runs into the village and says, come and see. Everybody else had cast her out, Jesus didn't. There was a woman, uh, uh, who, there was a, who was it? A woman caught in adultery and she was dragged out by the religious leaders and she was thrown in front of Jesus and they said, now what are you going to do with her because we want to see if your interpretation of Scripture matches up with ours. 
And in doing that, they totally missed a point and a value of God that says, don't you dare bring before me a human being as an illustration ever again. Don't you dare use somebody to prove your theological point. Because I'm a God who loves people. And when you use people to prove that you're right or wrong, I'll kill you. Because you're raping her with your theology. God is far more radical than we are. Far more passionate. Far more tough. Far more fed up sometimes with our pettiness. And he says, that woman, and he kneels down next to her and says, who condemns you? No one. I don't condemn you. Now go and don't sin anymore. And she knew what he meant. He totally changed her life because of love and acceptance and a radical setting captives free, fulfilling Isaiah 61. The people who read Isaiah 61 but never applied it wanted to, to kill her with rocks in the name of God. Because you can know the scriptures and miss them completely. Jesus is way more radical. There was a man who was trapped in a paralyzed body. You remember that? And his friends carried him to the, to the place where Jesus was and, and they lowered him through the roof. They were so desperate. And the religious leaders, what did they do? The religious leaders said, we'd rather have a Bible study. Let's, let's, let's talk about who can forgive sin. And let's study that and just debate that and then just study whether we should do that on a Sunday or the Sabbath or not. Let's do all of that. And Jesus says, for God's sake, what are you about? He doesn't, but if I was Jesus, I would have said that. He sees a cripple and he says, what's easier to do, forgive sins or make him, let him rise up and walk? And he says, pick up your mat and walk, but your sins are forgiven. They argue about the process and Jesus said, this man, his friends have just dropped him through the roof because they care. He's sick. He's paralyzed. I care about that. Your, your muttering, I don't really care about. Your muttering actually in the end will kill me anyway. Think about it for yourself. How much do you mutter? How much do you mutter? How, much do you how many opinions do you have about what God can and cannot do? And when people try to do something, you're right in the front line, privately of course, to judge them and complain and criticize. But when it actually comes to the, comes to the test, you don't have a prayer to offer. How, how, what kind of chatter goes on in your mind? Well, you don't know. You know who they are. You know who he is. You know what they've done. And you're just so full of criticism. You're so full of opinions. When it comes to setting the captive free, they can't find the keys on you because you're more of a captive than the paralyzed man. But boy, have you got an opinion. I'm not trying to be nasty, just asking. You see, it's easier to live in Egypt. It's easier to live in the negative. It's easier to live in criticism because it demands absolutely nothing. That's why so many people aren't interested in Christianity because Christians are ugly. They're judgmental. They have opinions, but they have no power. They have no passion. They have no love. They have no evidence. Because the evidence of God's Spirit and the evidence of Christmas is people set free. Starting with me. Am I free? Of course I'm not. But I'm more free than I was. Am I still got lots of stuff? Of course I have. You've already told me half of it. But nevertheless, if God can use me, then He can use you. So suck it up. That's what good news is about. There's a man with a shriveled hand and they were gathered in a place like this on the Sabbath day. And Jesus saw the man with the shriveled hand and he said, come up. And everybody else was going, oh, is he going to heal him on the Sabbath? It's wrong, it's against the law. And he says, you've only got half of the law, by the way. But you got so dead, you don't even see the man with the shriveled hand. And when you see him, because you've never seen the power of God at work, all you do is give him a sandwich. Nice to see you, Mike. See you next week. Tough about the shriveled hand, eh? Guess God doesn't love you. No power, no joy, no message. Just a little compassion because it makes me feel better. What happens if God says, I'm so sick of churches like that? 
And you go, but it's unbelievable. You can't expect people to have shriveled hands healed. And you say, how do you know? How do you know? What's your basis for authority? Well, I've never seen it. <laughs> wow, that's deep. But what happens if it's possible? Isn't that worth pursuing? You could say, well, show me. We'll get there in a minute. So Jesus was saying to his disciples, therefore, um, you do it now. And his disciples were struggling just as we would. He says, the only way you're going to learn that I am able to do exceedingly more than you can ask or imagine is you're going to have to go and do it. You're going to have to go and see for yourself and experience for yourself that I am great. Can we sh- uh, uh, on Tuesday evening as we were entering worship, um, I had a picture that uh, you're part of it, you're not part of it. And you're emptied and you're filled and you're blessed and, you're, and, and you, you, you need blessing. And what's the result? That next to that water wheel there is a, a generator and power is released. And I believe God's word to the church and this church right now is as you integrate, as you become interdependent, you need one another unashamedly, I will release a power that will never be released through an individual. Which I think is very cool. But I'm also just saying sometimes the things about God are very practical. Which is... Do you see yourself, if you've been part of this church, you see yourself as part of that water wheel or do you see yourself as somebody who's going to be, well, I'll take sips every now and again, but don't use me. I don't want to be committed. If we want to see the power of God working in our lives and through us and the lives of others, being part of something is the key. It really is. And why is that so? It's because... When Jesus called his disciples, he called them together. There are times in your life where you're going to need somebody to break down some of the foliage that you're holding up. There are times where you, left to yourself, will hide. There are times where you will actually draw back into your hurt and God will say, please somebody go and smack them because they need to get out of that. And you, you yourself will never do it because you'll either be afraid or you'll have this agenda or there'll be all kinds of reasons. And so we need one another around us to sometimes say, come on, stop staying there, let's go for this, and encouraging each other to grow. Most of us will settle at a level that is far less than what God has for us. Because most of us don't know that God's power and love is extraordinary and is far greater. So, does it make any sense to you? And the fact that we've been hurt by our families, we've been hurt by churches, and we've been hurt by, you know, you just go, yeah, too bad. You'll get more hurt by being isolated. Okay, we can do with, we can do with the, 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 I nearly said the washing machine. But. So the disciples, getting back to Luke quickly, Because Jesus, I totally believe, is saying to his church and has always said, let's do it. So in Luke 8, they come back and they talk to Jesus. In Luke 9, I mean, they come back and talk to Jesus and tell him what they've done. And then they return and they report to Jesus what they've done. Then he took them with them and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowd learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. Now Jesus is, you know, he's always doing something. He's talking to the disciples. A whole crowd comes. So he speaks to them and guess what? He says, and he heals any who needed healing. He seemed to continually do this healing stuff. Some people think, well, we should just have healing services once a month. So that's, that's cool if you're not sick. That's like going to the hospital in Canada Health. You know, I have a need, wait a month in the corridor and I'll get to you. Wherever Jesus went, he seemed to be intent on healing people if they were suffering. What would that be like? I've never seen Jesus heal anyone. Well, come and hang around and pray for some people and see what happens. We've had testimonies, we're getting more and more here. Why? Because we're going to keep doing it. You wouldn't believe the people he uses either. 
I want to stir you up to believe and dare to believe. And so these disciples, quickly, they went to... um, It was late in the afternoon. The twelve came to Jesus. Listen to this real, real carefully, all right? And he said to the crowd away so they can... the, The twelve came to Jesus and said, send the crowd away so they can... Go to the surrounding villages and countrysides and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. Jesus said, thank you for clarifying that. I didn't realize we were in a remote place or they might be hungry. But Jesus, do you ever go to Jesus and ask him to do stuff for other people? And And he sends you a memo saying, thanks so much. I wasn't aware of that. And then you say, I'm really praying for you. I'm praying, I'm praying. And what does Jesus turn around? That really irritating thing he does. They've got thousands of people and they say, Jesus, you better send them away because we're good at human resources and they need, they need food. And he says to them, you feed them. Oh man, here we go again. Why did we open our mouth? What happens if Jesus is saying to you, you be the answer? Some of the deepest prayers you're praying right now he says, you be the answer. And so, he sa- so they said, what do they say? But, but, but we, we, we only have five loaves, two fish. What is it, this one? Always get them wrong. Five loaves and two fish. We only have five bre- loaves of bread and two fish. It's almost automatic. As soon as God challenges you or wants you to do something for him, you'll come up with what you don't have and what you do have, but it's not enough. But you don't understand, Lord. I'm busy. And what does he say? Oh, you're right. I, I should have known that you didn't have enough. Silly me. I mean, I thought for a minute you were competent and you were me, but you're not. No, of course he doesn't. He just goes, you know, give me what you have. Get them to go into groups, 50. But we've only got five loaves and two fish. Yeah, I know, but get them into groups. If it was me, I'd say, give me the fish first. Do the miracle, then I'll get them into groups. But I'm at this moment feeling a little vulnerable. He gets them into groups. Thank you, Lord, my Father, for the five loaves and two fish that these guys have given me. This is what we have. Okay, guys, go and give it up. Is there anything rational in this story at all? But they give it out and there are 12 basketfuls left over. So he says to the disciples, you can each take one home and tell your family just what I did. You left with a lunchbox, you came back with a basket. How's about that? You can't get the basket full of bread if you're not willing to risk giving what you have. When did you do the last take a risk? You will have the faith at the height of what you risk. You don't believe God can save your marriage? You don't believe God can supply your needs? You don't believe God can heal? What do you risk? Give me what you have. Give me what you have. And cut out all the other conditions. Give me what you have. See what happens. It's, um, you don't think it's happening anywhere in the world right now? Here's an interview with Mozambique. You see, because it's not happening doesn't mean it's not happening. And so what you start doing is, Lord, is it happening anywhere in the world that I can learn from? This is from the 700 Club a couple of years ago. We need the volume, please. to confess that I'm terrified. It's okay for us to say, oh, I don't even know how to do that. But what would it be like if instead of asking God to work on our agendas, we just began to say, Jesus, here I am. This is what I've got. And see what happens. Let's stand. Let's see what happens.
Because the Lord's going to ask you today, he's ask, well, he's not asking you in a, in a sort of this heavily dependent way. He's asking as a, fire, a father to a child, and he's looking at you with enormous love, and he says, do you want to play? Do you want to go on an adventure? Do you want to let go of the stuff that you're trusting in right now? Do you want to just actually let me set you free? And you might be struggling with addiction. You might be struggling with deadness in your spirit. You might be struggling financially. You might be struggling... Well, you might not be struggling at all because circumstantially it's actually quite fine. But he's just with us today and saying, you know, I closed that book with Isaiah and I said, I want to set captives free. So do you want to be more free? And I want to set you free because I want to set other people free through you. I don't want you just quoting scriptures. I want you to live life. I want you to know joy. I want you to know healing now. So Father, we just come before you. And we thank you for one another. We thank you that you place us in the context of a community like that water wheel. We ask your Holy Spirit to be poured out over us, over this church. We thank you for one another. We ask you to forgive us where we take lightly our relationships. We ask you to forgive us where we come and go as, as solo artists. And we just ask that you would in, intertwine us so that we can become more and more who you want us to be together. And I just pray that you fill each person with your spirit right now like those buckets on that water wheel. Let him fill you. Let him fill you. Just say, Jesus, I need to be filled. I want, I want the fresh bread. I want you. I'm like one of those disciples. I, 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 I'm sort of impressed with the good things you do and I'm scared of the other stuff, but I want to engage with you. And he always says yes. He loves those kind of things where, where we're willing to say, Lord, use me. He's not going to use your hands or your head. He's going to love you in your heart and then release his kingdom through your heart. So receive his power, receive his love, receive all that he has for you. And Father, we offer the all that we have to you, like the bread and the fish that those disciples offered, and we just say, Father, thank you for what you've given us. The beginning of freedom is to say, thank you for my life right now, before the miracle. Thank you for what I am and where I am right now. I offer it to you and pray that out of this place you will take me into where you want me to be. Because all I have is yours, he says. All I have is yours. There is nothing that I see in you that is too difficult for me to handle. There is nothing I see around you that is overwhelming to me. Let me love you where you are and watch what happens. And by the way, will you pay attention to the people who are in your life? I will speak to you through them. I will speak to them through you. And I ask you to stop minimizing the natural places that I work supernaturally. I will give you eyes to see and ears to hear Let's put our hands on our hearts and ask him to increase. Father, will you increase our capacity to be loved by you? Will you increase our capacity to know you? And I speak to fear in the name of Jesus where fear paralyzes us. And we just speak the peace and love of Jesus that will be released in us to become more and more his men and women. And we'll have fun doing it. We'll know your joy. And we can participate with you, Jesus, in fulfilling what we read in the Scriptures. So we bless you. Holy Spirit, 
Will you release this word into our lives and hearts this week? And may there be much joy. Amen. Amen. We're always going to pray for healing. So um, if you need prayer for healing as we're singing this last song, you can come up to the front and uh, we we can pray. And um, again... Don't, uh, don't stand back. If, if there's, uh, on Tuesdays we're thinking about this. Just because you weren't healed last week doesn't mean to say you won't be healed this week. We're all learning. Um, there might be somebody here with a toothache which is rooted in an abscess. Um, God wants to heal you. This is an easy one, but it's still re- relevant because um, I don't want to censor what I hear. Uh, stress-related neck pains. Probably everybody will come up for that. But um, God really wants to set, release peace. Um, so nothing is too minimal. And, you know, lots of people have headaches and migraines and stuff. That all comes out of stress. And stress comes out of lack of faith and believing. And stress comes out of worrying. And stress comes out of um, just thinking that you have to do it all. And God just says, peace, peace, peace. I have you. So if you have a stress-related pain, uh, somebody might have trouble with their right eye. Uh, somebody else with stomach or internal digestive problems could be colitis. Um, you can come up and God wants to minister to you. And Somebody's got a shooting pain uh, in the right side of their bodies. I don't know what it is. They're a little concerned about that. Um, and if uh, you're getting that, then you can come up and be prayed. And the reason we're doing this is because God wants you to know that he knows you and he loves you. And very often we feel like we don't, you know, we don't matter. So these words of knowledge are just ways of God saying, I do love you and I want to minister to you. And somebody's got difficulty swallowing or something's going on with your neck. Those are some of the things that came to me this morning. But Father, I just bless you that you know us intimately and you want us to be set free and healed. And so Lord, I pray that your spirit will release healing in this place right now. That you healed everybody who had a need. And so... um, We ask that, uh, Jesus, as we sing and as we worship, you will just release healing on those who come for for your healing touch. So if you want to get out of your comfort zone and if you want to actually see whether God actually does anything, then uh, come up and to the left side of where I'm standing, to your right-hand side, and uh, we'll pray for for healing. And we're going to sing one more song, not now.